want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com backslash give. We hope you enjoy this message. So again, my name is Pastor Jeff, and uh, I get the extreme privilege and honor to speak with you today, uh, the Word of God. And so if you would, would you bow your heads as we pray one more time? Lord, I need you. God, there's nothing uh, about me that will change anyone's life. Only your word and only your anointing can do that. So, Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today and that we would be changed by you, that we would encounter your love and it would change us. We give you glory and honor for everything that you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series recently called The Love Series, and it's been really, really awesome. If you have not listened to The Love Series, I would challenge you to go back. You can go to on our website, or you could go to uh, whatever phone device you have. You can find it on podcasts, uh, or you can find it on the Cowboy Junction YouTube page. But it's been really life-changing, and um, it's been a message that we've had a lot of texts and a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls of people going, that, this is revelational to us. We, they, like, people didn't know that God isn't an abusive father, that God isn't a God who's got his hand like this ready to smack you, or that he's looking at his watch all the time telling you, come on, hurry up, hurry up. How come you're not getting it? Why are you taking so long to get what I have for you? That that's not how God operates. And that's been revelational for so many people. And uh, so I challenge you to go back and listen to the love series. I'm not continuing the love series today, but I believe my, the, the word that God put on my heart goes right along with that. Because as Christians, every single one of us in this room who, who confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior has a purpose. And really every person has a purpose. And it's this, to know God. To know God. That is our purpose. God wants to be in relationship with you. He loves you. He wants to know you. But it's a two-part purpose because while our purpose is to, to know God, to know God, and God wants to know us and be in relationship with God, the second part of that purpose is to pull people into their first purpose, which is to know God. So we know God and we make him known. That's our purpose. And oftentimes, uh, we, we can get caught up in um, what does it mean or how do, how do we minister to people? And, and in, in case, maybe, maybe you didn't re- realize this, but God has a calling on your life to tell other people about him. And so uh, I know this feels like 10 years ago because 2020 was 20 years long. Um, see, that, that math doesn't even add up. But <laughs> it, feel, it feels like so long, right? But at, at the beginning of 2020, we preached a, a series here at Cowboy Junction called the Blessed Series. Does anybody remember the Blessed Series? And it was a series all about how do we minister to people. And it's not just a series. It's really a, a mindset of how we want to live as believers, that we want to minister to people. And it's really a step-by-step process of uh, how we're going to minister to people. And so I want to I share it with you. BLESS is an acronym, okay? And the B stands for begin with prayer. You know, it's really important because you can't minister to people unless you pray. You need to be full. 
You need to have a relationship with Jesus yourself to be able to pour out to other people, right? So we begin with prayer, and we're like, God, who do you want me to talk to today? Who, who do you want me to speak to today about you? And we begin with prayer. And then we start, we might even pray for ourselves a little bit because I don't know about you, but it's kind of nerve-wracking sometimes to tell people about Jesus. You're like, oh, Lord, you want me to do what? You want me to tell that person? You want me to buy that person's drink at Starbucks and tell them you love them? Oh, that's hard. Why can't they buy my drink? <laughs> you know? Maybe you don't go to Starbucks. It's okay if you don't. So we begin with prayer. The second letter is L, and it, it means listen. And listening is so important. People feel validated when you listen to them. Now, that listen's a little bit hard for me because I like to talk, you know? Like, I really enjoy speaking. And so there's one thing that we need to do if we're going to minister to people is we need to actually listen with the intent of understanding what the person is saying, not listening with the intent to respond. Now, that is relational advice, too, by the way. If you're married or in a relationship with somebody, if you'll listen to understand, it'll change your life. Because your spouse or your significant other doesn't typically want you to solve their problem. They want to be validated that you care about their problem. That was really good marriage advice, but we'll just keep going. The second thing, we don't just need to listen to people. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. If we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, how are we going to know what to say? How are we going to know how to minister to people? So we got to listen not only to the person because that validates them, but we have to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we can respond the way he wants us to respond. The next letter is E, which stands for eat. And this is one of my favorite ones, man. I love to eat food. And everybody has to do it, so it's cool if we all go eat together. I mean, like, come on. And restaurants are back open now in, in New Mexico. Praise Jesus. So, but it's natural. What does is, what is eating really represent? It means I'm building relationship. The body of Christ has forgotten the power of sitting at a table and breaking bread together. That's a message for the family, too. Break bread together. Make your children put their devices away. You put your devices away. <laughs> me, me. Right? Okay, because what will happen? You'll engage in relationship. And when, you're, when you have relationship with somebody, they want to know what you have to say. The next thing is you serve them. Serving is so powerful. In fact, it's so powerful that Jesus said himself, he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve by giving his life a ransom for many. So Jesus showed us the way to reach people. Serving breaks down barriers. If you want to get past people's walls, start with serving them. Do something for them. It'll break their walls down. They'll be like, what do you mean you did that for me? Man, th thank you so much. Serving breaks down people's walls. And the, and the, and the last S is, is we share. We share our story. And it's important that we share our story because our story is the gospel. If, if God has changed our lives, the story is the good news of Jesus. I was once this, but Jesus came and did this in my life. Now, it's important to, to know that as we tell our story, we don't want to glorify the wrong thing. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit 
and obey what the Holy Spirit is telling you. So, so there'll be times when, when I'm talking to somebody that God will say, you don't need to share that part of your story because this part of your story will connect with that person and, and there'll, be a, there'll be a harvest. So when we listen to the Holy Spirit, what can happen is I can actually share the parts of my story that will connect with the person I'm talking to and they'll want to receive the same Jesus that I've received. That's really important. And it's important for us as followers of Jesus to make sure that we're ministering to people because that's what we're called to do. We're not talking about getting over into works like you're not really a follower of Jesus. You don't love God if you're not sure. No, 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 no. I'm saying when you encounter Jesus, you can't help but want to give him to other people because it's life-changing. But we have these things that happen in our life sometimes, and it looks like this. We receive that love that we were talking about in the love series where God doesn't have his hand like this and he's not constantly tapping his watch telling you how much, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get it done. You should be better than this by now. You should be further along than this. God, we don't receive that from God. But sometimes we don't sow that into other people. We don't sow the love we received. We receive patience and grace and mercy and truth from God. And we sow, how come you're still grieving? Come on. Hurry up and get over it. What's taking you so long? You should have had more faith. You should have believed harder. And instead of receiving the gift of God, which is his love, which, remember, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Instead of receiving patience and sowing patience, we receive patience and sow judgment. that can happen. So I want to look at a story today is found in John chapter 11. If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is how to minister to the broken. All of us have experienced hurt in our lives. Every single person in this room has experienced some form of pain. And if we were honest, we, we could probably say that a good majority of the people in the room have experienced church pain. Pain from the church, the people who are supposed to be, you know, loving Jesus and telling people about Jesus. They've experienced church pain, church hurt. And so I, I felt like this was something that God wanted to talk to us today about is how do we minister to broken people. And in order for us to look at, look at that, I want to go to John chapter 11. It's going to come up on the screen, verse 1. Now it says this. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, Behold, the one whom you love is sick. Now, pause right there. Sorry, man. They did everything right. They have a problem in their life. Their brother is sick. And clearly, he's sick enough for them to want to call Jesus for Jesus to do a miracle. They believe Jesus could do a miracle. They believe that if Jesus would come, Lazarus would be healed. They did everything right. It's important for us to know. They didn't run to the wrong people. They, didn't, they weren't telling everyone else about their problems. They went to Jesus. Okay, let's keep going. When Jesus heard that, he said, 
This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. <laughs> then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going to go there again? Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. <laughs> However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Now, have you ever been like, maybe you're like me, you read the Bible sometimes, and you're like, it, it contradicts itself. Did you all see it in the story? Verse 4 says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Which one is it, Jesus. Verse 4, you're saying he's not going to die. But verse 14, you're saying he's dead. So which one is it? And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like God has been contradicting what he has told you in your life. You feel like God looked in your life and told you that your business was going to prosper. It wasn't going to fail. But then 2020 hit and everything is screwed up and you're going through pain and it looks like death. God, why are you contradicting yourself? And I've come to know in my life that I have a limited understanding of what God is saying. Not because I, I, I don't study enough. Not because I don't have a good enough relationship. It's because God thinks on a higher level than I do. I will never be able to comprehend everything that God is saying. Because we are consistently trying to be more like him. And until we are made perfect in the last day, we will never be able to fully understand what he is doing. The good news is we don't have to understand to believe that he is telling the truth. So I, I, I started doing a little research because I felt like, Jesus, you said he wasn't going to die. And he did. Now, I know the full story, right? Like I get to read the end of the book. Yo, how many of you do that? Like when you read a book, you have to read the end of the book before you. Anybody in here? No? Uh, I don't read books, so it's okay. Uh, I listen to the books on Audible. Right? Why, why do we do that? We, we sometimes want to read the end of the story so that we can be prepared for what's going to happen. We want to know that everything's okay. Right? We, we want to know that it's all going to work out. But Mary and Martha, they didn't get that. They didn't get to know that it was all going to work out. So I started doing some research because I knew they, had, they must have been disappointed that they asked Jesus to show up, and he showed up late. And because he showed up late, Lazarus is dead. And I have to feel like, as I'm reading the Bible, Jesus, you said it, he wasn't going to die. But when I researched that word, that word unto stuck out to me. This illness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
that word unto in the Greek is actually a phrase, not just one word. And the phrase is this, not to the advantage of. So this is how you could actually read the scripture. This illness is not to the advantage of death, but to the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What if the very thing that you're going through, the very thing that feels so terrible in your life, is actually just meant to reveal God's glory? See, the purpose of disappointment was to reveal the glory of God through his Son. So what if the disappointment in your life, the thing that you've been going through, the brokenness that you've been going through, was actually God telling you, I want to reveal my glory in you for the world to see? Maybe God didn't say it wasn't going to die. Maybe God was saying it's not going to be the, to the advantage of death. So Jesus wasn't telling him he wasn't going to die. Lazarus, he knew Lazarus was going to have to walk through death. But he knew it would glorify the Father. He knew where he was going to end. It makes a difference. God wants to reveal his glory in you, in your situation. So let's keep going because I, I, I know that they had to be disappointed. I know that they had to be upset with God, right? So let's keep, let's keep reading the story. We're going to pick up in verse 20. It says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. We got a lot to unpack in that text. Y'all remember the, the, when, when Mary and Martha are introduced in, in, in the Bible? It's okay if you don't because I'll, I'll, I'll remind you about the story. But uh, we find Mary and Martha having Jesus at their house. And, and Martha is working. She's very, very stressed out. I mean, I'd be a little stressed out too if Jesus was at my house. I'm like, is it clean enough, Lord? Like, are we good? You know, like all those things going through our heads. Uh, actually, it would probably be my wife. I'd probably be sitting there with Jesus. I'd, pro- I'd probably more like Mary, you know. Uh, and, and so, so here's, here's the thing. Martha 
is excited and is working really hard. And, and we, we find in the story that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Martha's running around. She's chopping up vegetables. You know, she's making a really cool home-cooked meal for Jesus. And, and, and every time she walks by the dining room, because it says that Jesus was reclining at the table and Mary was at, at the feet of Jesus, every time she walked by the dining room, she got a little bit more mad at, at Mary. <laughs> Wish I had some help in the kitchen. You know, like, Y'all know how it is, like on Thanksgiving, when everything's done and all the, all the peeps are watching the football game and no one's helping you clean up? If you know, you know, you know? <laughs> and so every time that she walks by, she gets more and more angry. Till finally she's had enough as she goes to Jesus. Like, all right, Jesus, would you tell my sister? Would you tell her? She needs to work, do a little something. She's just sitting around doing nothing. She's not doing anything. And Jesus does not answer the way Martha wants, her to, wants him to answer. He's like, Martha, Martha. First of all, Jesus, your tone is already upsetting me. <laughs> you are troubled by many things. But Mary has chosen the better things. And that will not be taken away from her. Now, that's interesting because in the context of this story, what we see is that we've kind of got this idea that Martha doesn't have a lot of faith because all she wants to do is work. She's in the details. She's making sure the dinner's cooked. She's making sure the house is clean. She's making sure Jesus has water. She's doing all the things. She's trying to serve Jesus, and she kind of gets a bad rap. Because uh, Mary chose the better things. But do you not see in this story of Lazarus that Martha was actually the one who had faith? Both of them said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Martha kept going and said, but even now I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And if you find yourself in only if, Lord, if only, Lord, if only. And there's so many times in our lives where we can be saying, Lord, if only. But what does it take to have the but even if faith of Martha? Whatever God is asking, whatever you ask of him, he will give to you. She didn't even know she had that kind of faith. Because the very next scripture, Jesus says, your brother's going to rise again. And she's like, yeah, I know. He's going to be in heaven one day. And she totally misses it. She totally misses that Jesus was connecting with her faith. The faith that said, I know you to be the son of God. How much faith does it take to be disappointed by the very man who's sitting in front of you? Because if I was Mary, or if I was Martha, I'd be saying something like this. Jesus, you said back in verse 5 that you loved us. You loved me. You loved Mary. And you loved Lazarus. But if you loved us, why did you stay two more days where you were at? I, I've quit saying things like this. God is never late. I, I, I say things like this now. God is never late according to his own time frame. Because God will disappoint your time frame all day long. Because he's not limited by time. He knows the exact moment that you need him to step in. And he knew 
that more people would believe if he stepped in and raised Lazarus from the dead than if he just healed him. He knew what every person in the story needed. Now, the title of my message is How to Minister to the Broken, and you might be thinking, well, are we ever going to talk about that? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Both these people were dealing with the same type of pain. But I want you to... I want you to see this. Jesus did not minister to Mary and Martha the same way because they were dealing, they were both processing the, the same pain in different ways. You know what I do as a Christian sometimes, as a follower of Jesus? I think that one size fits all. I could just speak to you however I like. It doesn't matter. I see what you're going through, and the answer is faith. Just have faith. Just believe. Come on. Get up. Come on. You could do it. I believe in you. And it's like, that's how we think that everyone needs us to respond. But the, the reality is that Jesus knew what Martha needed to hear. Jesus knew that Martha needed to have her faith spoken to. So he spoke to her faith, and yet he also knew that Mary needed Jesus to cry with her. So Jesus stepped into Mary's pain and wept. But sometimes I just want to, let's just put one thing. This is how you minister to broken people. Can I, can I, can I tell you something? As, as followers of Jesus, don't try and heal it before you feel it. Don't try and step in and give the answer before you empathize with the pain that the person is going through. Don't try and go, just get up already. Have you ever been, uh, this rhetorical question, so you, you don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been to a funeral, and you just lost somebody that you love, and there's always that one person who is meaning something well, but they always say that one thing that is just the dumbest thing to say? Yeah. Why? Because they're trying to heal it. Now, their heart is right. They want to heal it. They want to help you. They feel bad for you. But sometimes all people need is for you to feel what they're going through. But do you know where I tend to find myself? Is I receive this patience from God. And then I find myself either always coming to the side of just believe more. If you have more faith, it, they would have been healed. If you did this, if you believed harder. Or I find myself on the opposite side in silence judging people. Uh, they probably have secret sin in their life. Sin nobody knows about. That's why that bad thing happened. I knew they didn't have faith. They put faith quotes on Facebook, but, uh, you know. But that's not where Jesus is. I find it so interesting that in this story, you never see Jesus look at Mary and Martha and say, oh, ye of little faith. Which he said plenty of times to the disciples, by the way. But he knows how to step into pain. He knows how to feel it. Can you imagine knowing that you were going to raise Lazarus from the dead, having the empathy to still weep with Mary? He knew he wasn't going to stay dead forever. And yet Jesus still wept. In fact, that, that word in the Greek means that Jesus burst into tears. 
That's the picture. And Jesus will burst into tears if that's what you need. He'll be there for you. He will empathize with you. He will step into your pain. And it'll change your life. He'll heal it. He'll heal it. And that's what we need to do when we experience that. I'm reminded of a story. It's also found in the book of John, chapter 8. If you want to go read it, it won't come up on the screen. Jesus was in a church setting much like this in a synagogue. If I could have Fabian come up. Jesus was in a church setting like this, and he's preaching, and all of a sudden there's a big commotion. A bunch of people dragging this woman in. And they throw her down in front of Jesus. And they say this. This woman. By the way, when we speak like this, this fill in the blank. This person. That's condemnation. They, blah, blah, blah. You can feel the finger being pointed. You, 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 sinner. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Which, by the way, if she was caught in the act of adultery, where's the dude at? Because it takes two. I was talking to a friend, and he said this to me. I thought, man, that's so powerful. He said, it was probably a Pharisee who was holding a stone who had been caught in the act of adultery with her, who was dragging her to the feet of Jesus, accusing her of the very sin that he had committed. This woman. The law of Moses says she should be put to death. What do you say, Jesus? Now, now we all know they were trying to trap Jesus, right? They were trying to trap him. And Jesus does something so interesting. He just gets down, and he starts to write in the, in the sand. It was right there in that moment. Can you see the brokenness of this woman? The brokenness of her life? She was guilty, and she knew it. And I can't imagine the anticipation that she had, the, 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 the anxiety that she had, wondering if this man named Jesus would condemn her to death in front of the entire church. And Jesus does something that shocks even everybody who had been accusing that woman. He said, you without sin throw the first stone and it says one by one they laid their stones down and they left and then Jesus addressed the sin in the woman can I tell you something Jesus did not address her sin until her accusers had left because that's grace and he wants to do that for us too 
And then Jesus looks at the woman and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? And she said, No one. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Anyone who says Jesus is not hard on sin has not read the whole Bible. Jesus does not want us to sin. It is not okay to sin. But Jesus will always come in, show you mercy, show you grace, and tell you not to sin anymore. Because he's good. And that's what we need. That's how we need to minister. Quit changing the seed that you were given. You were given grace. You were given mercy. I was given grace. I was given mercy. Don't sow something different. Don't be like the man who was forgiven a huge debt by the king. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who had a big debt. And and, and he begged the king, please just give me a little more time. And the king forgave his debt. And then he walks out and he sees a man who owes him $50 and he grabs him by the throat. Where's my $50 at? Please, please, just give me a little bit of time and I'll get it back to you. The very words he had just uttered to the king. And he says, no. And he throws him in debtor prison. Let's not be those types of followers of Jesus who don't sow the same seed we were given. Let us minister to the broken in the way that Jesus did, knowing that he speaks to people in different ways and he enters pain in different ways. He listens to the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly what people need. And then he enters into their pain and he doesn't try and heal it before he feels it. So how does the story end? Verse 38. Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. By the way, that's a foreshadowing of what is going to be said about him when he's in the tomb. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, who just had faith just a few verses before. But even now, I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. This is the Martha type A personality. She's like, hey, Jesus, you're missing the deets, bro. You don't know he's been dead for four days. It's going to stink. By this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And I came to speak today to those who are broken, to those who feel like they have nothing left to offer. You feel like you are bound in grave clothes. You feel like your life is falling apart. There is nothing left. Jesus is calling your name. Come forth. It is not to the advantage of death, but for the glory of God. And the glory of God wants to step into your situation and raise it back to life. 
That's what Jesus came to tell you today. There's no brokenness that he cannot heal.